I'm Brett McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, we need to do some follow-ups on last week. For example, I saw Justice League. I'm Jeff Braun, and I binge-watched The Handmaid's Tale. We'll also tee up a couple of returning shows, like History Channel's Vikings. First, it's the news from the couch. In the afterlife, there's a good place and there's a bad place. You're in the good place. I'm not supposed to be here. Somebody royally forked up. Why can't I say fork? If you're trying to curse, you can't hear. That's bullshit. <laughs> We're condescending bench. Motherforker. <laughs> you know I'm trying to say asshole and not asshole, right? I got that. Yes. The Good Place. Thursdays after Superstore. This fall on NBC. Holy forking shirt. Good news about The Good Place. It's been renewed for a third season. It's also on Global, by the way. NBC getting the jump on it for some reason because season two hasn't even ended yet. The Good Place became an instant classic with the Couch Potatoes last year. It's a sitcom set in heaven, a.k.a. The Good Place, in a neighborhood run by an angel named Michael, played to perfection by Ted Danson. There are also interveners from The Bad Place and a lot of mistaken identity. The main characters include Janet, who's not a robot, but is basically a robot, the beautiful but vain Tahani, and the good-natured but dumb as a post Jason. Tahani... What do you value about Jason? Well, he's thoughtful, picks flowers and brings them to me. Often they're ones I've just planted, but... That's how I know they're fresh. As well as Worrywart Cheaty and our hero all-around mean girl trying to do better, Eleanor, played by Kristen Bell. Why don't you just tell me the right answer? Well, that's what's so great about the trolley problem is that there is no right answer. This is why everyone hates moral philosophy professors. I'm on your side here, dude, but he is not wrong. Those are the six main characters, and in one and a half very short seasons on the air, they've already developed a pretty deep bench the best being Vicky, a.k.a. Denise, a demon who wants to be a bigger part of whatever insidious plan may be playing out. I used to be real Eleanor, and now I'm Denise. Denise is a good part with a, a great backstory. You run the best pizza place in the neighborhood. You have a cat, and that's cool. The show is halfway through its 13-episode second season. Season 3 will also be 13 episodes on the insistence of show creator Michael Schur. The whole series will likely only go four seasons, according to Schur, as it is serialized and very high concept with major series premise changes happening all the time. Great stuff, but not the sort of thing you can really drag out too long. Season 2 resumes January 4th. Can I just have something that makes me stand out? A mysterious past or a limp? I want a limp. Okay, I, no, I hear you. i tell you what. Go nuts. Limp your heart out. Oh, hey. Cheaty, right? Hi. Are you limping? Close your eyes. Close your eyes. See with mine. You were a top student, but look at you now. You can't keep using your father's disappearance as an excuse to act out. Is that his work? What's it about? Their dad, he wanted to touch the stars. This week, Disney debuted a full trailer for its adaptation of the classic book, A Wrinkle in Time. First published in 1962 by American writer Madeline Lengel, the science fiction novel has won all kinds of awards and was previously adapted for a TV film 
by Disney in 2003. Now it's getting the silver screen treatment and it looks pretty cool. Imagine that the ant here wants to get to her other hand. The quickest option is to walk across the street. But it turns out a straight line is not the shortest distance between two points. Not if you use a fifth dimension. It's outside of the rules we know of time and space. So the ant arrives in my hand instantaneously. So you fall into space. More likely wrinkle it. The cast includes Oprah Winfrey as Mrs. Witch, Reese Witherspoon as Mrs. What's-It, Mindy Kaling as Mrs. Who, and Chris Pine plays the dad who has gone missing somewhere in time and space. And the film introduces young Storm Reed as 13-year-old Meg Murray. heard a cry out in the universe. My father's alive. We believe he is, and we're here to help you find him. We are in search of warriors. Warriors who serve the good and the light in the universe. You're kidding. Do I look like I'm kidding? A little. I'm not. I'm not. That last voice belonged to Zach Galifianakis, who is in the supporting cast with Michael Peña, Gugu Mbatha Raw and Andrew Holland, just to name a few. It was directed by Ava DuVernay, who previously directed Selma. Your father's trapped by evil energy. It's too strong for our light. And the only one who can stop it is you. Be a warrior. The book has sold more than 23 million copies worldwide and has regained some steam after Chelsea Clinton mentioned it during the Democratic National Convention. The movie debuts March 9th, 2018. Do you trust me? I trust you! Great news this week if you enjoyed Murder on the Orient Express as much as I did. passenger has died. He was murdered. The murderer is on the train with us now. And every one of you is a suspect. <laughs> so, let us catch a killer. Yes, let us. And who are you? My name is Hercule Poirot, and I'm probably the greatest detective in the world. Kenneth Branagh directed and starred as Poirot in this month's remake of the classic Agatha Christie murder mystery, Murder on the Orient Express. A best-selling book, it was also a star-studded movie back in the 70s. Pretty simple, dozen or so passengers on a train, someone murdered in the night, everyone is a suspect. Poirot must solve the case before the murderer strikes again. It was a lot of fun, even though I knew the ending going in. Murder mysteries done well are always exciting to watch, and Agatha Christie's no slouch. Like I said in my four-couch cushion review last week, a lot of the fun in the movie was courtesy Branagh's portrayal of Poirot. He has a lot of weird quirks, which Kenneth Branagh clearly enjoyed playing. So the good news is he will be back for a sequel. Murder on the Orient Express got decent reviews and has made $150 million worldwide so far. Pretty good bank for what they put into it. This week, 20th Century Fox gave the green light to Death on the Nile, another Poirot story published three years after Orient Express back in 1937. Brana has not yet made it official, but I imagine he will. I would expect it'll be ready for theaters sometime in 2019. The real killer is right here. One of you people. We're surrounded by lies. 
I'm sleeping here, where everyone can see me. And I can see everyone. Who takes up the knife? Cannot trust a one. Another one? The world is a mysterious place. There are marvels of nature just waiting to be discovered by those who are daring enough to look. Marvels like the creature I had only heard existed in legend. Warner Brothers unveiled a couple of teaser trailers for family films this week. The first one is a cartoon starring Channing Tatum. That's the voice you just heard. And the trailer begins with a guy climbing a tall mountain that reaches way up into the sky beyond the clouds. He gets to the top and plants his flag into the foot of a yeti, a.k.a. an abominable snowman. A mythical monster straight out of your worst nightmares with wild eyes and a hideous face and feet that were amazingly, freakishly... <laughs> the twist is Channing Tatum is a yeti, and the mythical creature he's talking about, the Smallfoot, is us, human beings. Now that he's discovered the human being actually exists, this discovery brings him fame in his yeti community, but it also brings turmoil as they wonder what else is out there. It looks fun, has a great supporting voice cast, including LeBron James, Gina Rodriguez, James Corden, Zendaya, Common, and Danny DeVito. Smallfoot opens September 28, 2018. It's a terrifying creature with perfect white teeth and breath that just smells all minty fresh. And only hair that has on its entire body is on the top of its head! Amigo, you're scaring him. Hey, don't be scared. It's look, it's just a story. Everyone knows that the small foot isn't real. <laughs> or is it? <laughs> oh, that's nice. Real nice. Way to scar him for life. <laughs> the second teaser is for a film that's already been released in the United Kingdom, Paddington 2. <laughs> what is your name? Paddington? Paddington? Yes. You wear a bear on your roof. The first Paddington movie, based on Paddington Bear, of course, debuted in 2015, earning 268 million worldwide and a 98% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. The sequel so far has a perfect 100% score on the Rotten Tomatoes and looks even more charming than the first film. Paddington is happily settled in with the Brown family, but he goes on the hunt for a thief after a unique pop-up book in the antique shop gets stolen. The hunt begins. Hmm? Mysterious things have been happening all over town. We're going to need a foolproof plan. Oh. Ow. So now Paddington and the Browns must find this nefarious criminal. And yes, you heard that right, the thief stole a pop-up book. How cute is that? New to the cast this time are Hugh Grant and Brendan Gleeson. Paddington 2 opens in North America, January 12th, 2018. This is breaking and entering. We haven't broken anything. The only explanation is a technique called electro-ejaculation. I don't like the sound of that. 
Law and Order shows have frequently done crime stories ripped from the headlines. I don't know what that one was ripped from, and they're at it again. Law and Order SVU is doing a story about Harvey Weinstein, sort of. Instead of a Hollywood producer, SVU's Weinstein will be an airline pilot. The producers say they want to portray rape culture in an industry known as the Boys Club. Over a year ago, we told you about another true SVU episode, one about a politician inspired by Donald Trump. Gary Cole, who you may know from Office Space or Veep or many other funny things, played the Trump proxy. Here was the promo. The next new SVU. I'm a handsome, charming millionaire. Women throw themselves at me. Gary Cole in an unforgettable performance. Know that I have nothing to hide. New SVU, Wednesday on NBC. Weirdly enough, they never aired it. They chickened out while the campaign was still going on and then figured it was pointless after Trump unexpectedly won. Law & Order SVU currently in its 19th season and it's taught us a lot about syndromes over the years. It's called Munchausen by proxy syndrome. It's a Stockholm syndrome. It's called Noonan syndrome. The Williams syndrome. It's the Peter Pan syndrome. And every now and then they cut a little too close for comfort. Any pathologies with Jeff? Other than extreme internet addiction? No, he's just a jerk. Thank you, White Rose. The so-called Weinstein episode is scheduled to air sometime next year. That is the news from the couch, but I gotta... Hang on. Any pathologies with Jeff? Other than extreme internet addiction? No, he's just a jerk. You like that one, eh? I forgot about that. I think we dug that out like 10 years ago. Uh, so that is the news from the couch. Still to come... I'll offer some quick thoughts on Justice League. We'll both talk about The Handmaid's Tale because I finished it and Jeff played it in an impressive binge. Yes. And we'll tee up Vikings Season 5 is coming. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5 is coming. The Arrowverse. Big crossover next week. Lots to talk about. Stay tuned. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Army taking fire. Fire, chest, fire, chest, fire. Near the Algiers Motel. Hey, y'all, there's a bunch of police outside right now. Welcome back to the Coach Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett taking a look at what's coming home on video this week, and that is a movie called Detroit, which is out on digital HD on Tuesday. It's about the race riots in 1967 in Detroit. Directed by Academy Award-winning director Catherine Bigelow, it got pretty good reviews, 84% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it bombed hard at the box office. It made $16 million, all told, on a budget of about 34 so it's definitely looking for second life on home video, and apparently it's a pretty good movie, so you, you might want to check that out next Tuesday. Yeah, that's uh, the movie arrived in I think August if memory serves yeah which is already kind of becoming a dead zone for movies because people are sort of getting their summer in yeah. and it did not look like a happy movie people like to go see generally speaking happy movies not entirely hell or high water for example was an August release a couple but years this ago. is like a sad true story and like you know there's a lot of sad true stories in real life right now, so I think people generally aren't excited about stuff like this. That's true, especially in the summertime. What's coming on uh, DVD, Blu-ray, on demand? Uh, Logan Lucky. We told you about it a couple weeks ago when it was on Digital HD. It's Steven Soderbergh film starring Channing Tatum, Daniel Craig, and Adam Driver. It's a heist movie that's set in the world of uh, race cars. And uh, yeah, Apparently it's pretty good. It looks like Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. But with rednecks, and it's directed by the same guy, right? Steven Soderbergh. There you go. So, My friends saw it. They said it was, they had a great time. 
Cool. Uh, we got about 90 seconds left here. Did you hear this about me, myself, and I? I found out this week when uh, n- there weren't a bunch of episodes stacked up on my PVR like I was expecting. It's been canceled. <laughs> they yanked it three weeks ago. Yeah. This was, what was that? Was it ABC or CBS? It's NBC. With Golden Boy John Larroquette, Dan Fielding, and Bobby Moynihan on NBC Saturday Night Live as well. Pretty sure it was NBC. And also Jaleel CBS. White. It was CBS? Yeah. Ah, I thought it was NBC. They never cancel anything, so that's kind of a shocker. Yeah, low ratings. It was a decent sitcom. Uh, I'd tell you all about it, but what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I just quietly pulled from the schedule three weeks ago. And I also learned this week that Dave Chappelle's third Netflix stand-up special has set a release date. It is scheduled to launch... Uh, on December 31st, on New Year's Eve. Hey, awesome. Dave Chappelle, Equanimity. Not sure Glad you a, had to say it and not me. <laughs> I watched, there was a new one this past week from Brian Regan, who is one of the best stand-ups of all time. It's called Nunchucks and Flamethrowers. It's really funny. Great name. Family-friendly, too. He doesn't swear in his stuff. Up next, we're going to talk more about The Handmaid's Tale. I finished it. Jeff Braun finished it in impressive time. We'll get into that. And I'll tell you what I thought about Justice League. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are the Couch Potatoes. Last week I told you about how I started watching a show. I have now finished it, and Jeff Braun has finished it as well. It's The Handmaid's Tale. I was asleep before. That's how we let it happen. When they slaughtered Congress, we didn't wake up. When they blamed terrorists and suspended the Constitution, we didn't wake up then either. Now I'm awake. So I explained after those first four episodes that I thought this was TV at its finest. It's definitely going to be in my top 10 for 2017. And sure enough, it after watching the full 10-episode season, absolutely it belongs in that top 10. Jeff, what'd you think? Oh, absolutely. I think uh, The Handmaid's Tale is uh, one of the best sci-fi stories I've ever seen. I mean, like all great sci-fi, it's because it doesn't focus just on the sci-fi. It's if your high concept is the only thing going for your story, it's going to you know, end up failing regardless of how good your premise is. And Margaret Atwood and the who wrote the book, the TV people behind Handmaid's Tale, they know this. And so they painted a, a very vivid picture of a world gone insane. And it was about the characters and their journeys more than just that world. And, you know, I like how they dole out pieces of this crazy society in dribs and drabs, mostly via context throughout the season. In lesser hands, they would do like a big info dump speech at the beginning, which would be boring to sit through. Mm. Uh, It's the sort of thing that separates, you know, the good from the truly great when it comes to the storytelling world. And I thought this was pretty perfect all the way. Yeah, it, uh, I, it was probably the most emotionally demanding show I think I have ever watched. I was consistently angry, mostly angry throughout the whole thing. Yeah. With these very brief moments of hope, just enough to kind of keep you from just turning it off in sheer depression, right? Because you can't be punished by a continuous bombardment of sadness and hopelessness. There has to be something to keep you... Wanting yep. to come back. And every now and then there would be. And it was, yeah, you're right. They, and they parse that out. Just, you know, that's what also what made it so good is how they parse that out. They got us to keep watching it. Because like you said, it is mostly bleak and not fun at all. Yeah. For those involved. And, uh, and now that, and I guess the season one was the book. There was one book. Yep. And, but they're going to go ahead with season two, but they got no more book. 
So are, are you worried about that at all? No, I'm not. I think the uh, the the television or the, the creators of the show have done a, a fair adaptation. I mean, I haven't read the book, so I have no idea. But I, I know that they have made changes from the books, mostly subtle changes yeah. Uh, yeah, based you... on the race of some of the characters. So the, the, they've stuck mostly to the material. But I think as long as they, they have an understanding of the material and uh, as long as Atwood has given blessing, then I don't. I think the sky's the limit here. Yeah, I think, well, like you said, these people who were running this show and the writers, they know what they're doing, so that's in their favor. And there's also been, you know, recent examples of other shows doing this, being in the same situation and doing it well, most famously Game of Thrones, where the TV series got ahead of the books. Uh, Less famously, but an even better example, The Leftovers, one of my favorites. Both series, you know, went beyond the books they were based on. They had input from the authors. The Leftovers actually got better than the book-based season was, and it had the same sort of, it was in sort of the same situation as Handmaid's Tale, where it was so, so very bleak that mm-hmm. it was, season one was punishing, and they sort of put in a bit more humor in season two to keep, so people would watch the show. But yeah, I mean, if and those other shows did it well, and I've no reason to believe that the people running the Handmaid's Tale would uh, let anything less be a part of their show. What did you think of Anne Dowd in The Handmaid's Tale? Because yep. I know you'd mentioned yeah. she was leftovers. She's also, she and not, I don't want to say she plays the same character, but she plays the same, she plays another awful, awful person. She's in both. She's just like a monster. Oh. So. <laughs> so she's got that that thing down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And even, and it's even scarier in Handmaid's Tale because- She's often tries to be, you know, has a smile on her face and she's trying to be so sweet with the handmaids or whatever. But, but then, you know, she like, you know, here's a, you know, barrel full of rocks. Kill someone. (laughs) Yeah. If you haven't watched The Handmaid's Tale, highly recommend that you do. Once again, The Handmaid's Tale can only be seen legally on Crave TV. So I downloaded the app on Crave TV. I have a Google Chromecast, so I was able to just shoot it to my television and watch it that way. But of course, you can just watch it online or whatever device you want to use to watch Crave TV. You get the first month for free. So if you sign up, you watch the show, you can cancel. No harm, no foul. Season two will air in April. And season one first aired in Canada on Bravo. So I can guarantee you that I will not only record it on my PVR, but actually watch it too, unlike the first Handmaid's Tale, they're the first three episodes that I recorded and then deleted because oh, yeah. I never got around to watching them because I'm dumb. But I did better late than never. Because we didn't think a Hulu show would actually uh, really amount to much. Boy, were we wrong. <laughs> uh, I want to quickly tell you what I thought about Justice League. It's good to see you playing well with others again. Just like a bat. I dig it. Maybe temporary. So, Jeff, you reviewed this last week. You gave it how many couch questions out of five? Uh, three and a half, I believe. Three and a half? I think I'm right there with you. I was impressed by how pleasantly surprised I was. I mean, you said it was good, not great, but yeah. I still went in with... Lowered expectations skept- of health, yeah, I think. I was skeptical... Because the reviews were so poor, what was it? I think the last time I checked, it was around like 36% or something on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's not entirely awful, but it's disappointing to say the least. But I had fun. I enjoyed it. I, the the two-hour pace was nice. 
and it was fast moving. I think it could. I would have been happy with at least another fifteen to twenty minutes. It does, did it did feel like they cut stuff out? Eh? Yeah. Well, they just they they. Well, for example, when I know I can't talk about that. That's a spoiler. <laughs> but there's so Never many mind. new characters that they're adding into the mix that sort of got some of them got short shrift and. Their introductions. So I am hoping that there's going to be an extended version on Blu-ray and DVD. But I enjoyed it. I once again, Wonder Woman was uh, phenomenal. She really is fun to watch on screen. Batman. I concur with your assessment that the first scene with Batman was cool. And I don't understand the the hatred towards Ben Affleck as Batman. I think he's cool. There, but I mean, come on! Internet hatred of Ben Affleck has been around for twenty years. So That's true. That's you true. You got to sort of—I imagine, you know. Well, I don't. Know, he might be in a lot of therapy to deal with it, but he, I'm sure he's aware of it as well. So. Yeah, but I mean, he—he he was hired to play a, a sort of grizzled yeah. Batman who's been doing this for many years, and he's kind of beaten down by the world. Or not beaten, but he's tired. And I think that he's captured that really well. And the everything looks great, and it was fun. I just the the villain was the villain was no good, and I think part of the problem too is we've already seen the alien or the invading alien force. We've already seen the big special effects. When it first happened on the Avengers, it blew our minds because we had never seen anything close to that big right. on the big screen. So that was cool. It was new. It was fresh. This very much felt like a rehash, and I think maybe that's where some of the criticism is coming. It's because. We put so much expectations into these superhero movies, but there are so many of them now that they are no longer events, and e but each one is still expected to surpass what the previous one did. Yeah, it's like we're gonna in the next couple of years hit some sort of weird peak, and then boom, just watch the bottom fall right out of these things. Yeah, it's gotta happen. You, yeah, well, you'd think that it would have happened already, especially now that DC want. Announced that they have a similar plan to Marvel, where they they plan to release like ten or twelve movies over the next few years. <laughs> Many of those movies are question marks. We still don't know exactly what's happening with the Batman movie. We don't even know if Ben Affleck's going to continue yeah. playing Batman. And so you would think the the overall box office, when all is said and done with this, will you know erase a couple of those question marks or put them in ink or something. Because I don't know that anyone really like I, I don't care to watch a, a movie that's just about cyborg. I yeah. didn't find them interesting at all, really. Yeah, there there was a plan to do a cyborg yeah. movie. We're not but entirely sure about that. Flash and Aquaman, if they com if they teamed up in a movie, that'd be a good one. I don't think they each need their own though. That'd be kind of cool and interesting because they were they were they were fun. I still like TV Barry Allen, TV Flash better than movie Flash. Really? Yeah, I, and I thought the way that his the the effect of him running, I thought it looked stupid. I think the TV effect is better than the movie one. What did you think? That's a good question. Um. It didn't really register with me. <laughs> yeah, because the TV effect, it just looked like he was really stretching with all of his strides, where like his arms were really yeah. flailing, whereas TV Flash just looks like he's running really fast. Oh, I see what you so, mean. So, I don't yeah. know. I didn't care. I mean, obviously, they had to do something different, so it wasn't just a carbon copy of what they've done on television, but I didn't much care for the, the movie Flash. The actor's fine, and the way that he portrayed the character is fine. I just prefer. What about Commissioner Gordon? 
Commissioner Gordon, yeah, that was almost like just planting a seed for okay, he's he's going to be in whatever Batman I movie guess so. is next. That must have been it because why would you go out of your way to hire someone as awesome as J.K. Simmons and then use him for thirty seconds? Unless he had more scenes and they just cut them. That could be. That could be too. So we'll have to see what happens when they release the Blu-ray because, of course, Batman versus Superman: uh, Dawn of Justice has an extended version, which you have seen. Have I you watched not? recently. I watched the week before Justice League came out because I had never. I hadn't seen it, and I wanted to, so I ordered it. And it's three hours long, and it's it is it is much better than the theatrical release. Okay, except that it's far too long. It's a th- <laughs> it's a three hour long movie, but the story makes so much more sense when you watch all that. Like there's a whole entire plot they just tore out of it for that theatrical release. Cool. So there you go, The Handmaid's Tale. Both Couch Potatoes have caught up and promised to watch season two. We both love it. And Justice League, we both like it. Good, but not great. One of my <laughs> Facebook friends, he posted and said, I don't understand what what's why everybody's hating on uh, Justice League. If you don't like this movie, then I am judging you hard. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my enthusiasm for the film isn't quite as high as his, but I enjoyed it. So I look forward to seeing it again, hopefully in an extended, an extended form. Up next on The Couch Potatoes, we'll tell you about Season 5 of Vikings. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. One of the more acclaimed shows on television returns for its fifth season this upcoming week, Wednesday, November 29th on History it's also one of my favorite shows, Vikings. You are Ifa, son of Ragnar Lothbrok, and many fear you. You have only seen the beginning of the end. The consequences of death are not yet played out. Prepare yourself. I bleeped out uh, major character's death. Oh, That's what the cuckoo clock I was. I was like, they swear in the <laughs> Yeah, I contemplated uh, revealing it, but you know what? You can watch it for yourself. Vikings debuted in 2013, and I admit I was skeptical about this show. It was history's first foray into scripted programming, and with its medieval setting, I just thought it... It looked to me like they were trying to hop on the Game of Thrones train. It ended up, though, being a wonderfully entertaining show about the Norse Viking Ragnar Lothbrok and his rise to power. Season 5 continues to see a power struggle, with Ragnar's ex-wife and all of his kids trying to take the throne. There is going to be a war. A war between brothers. A war that will make me the king of Kattegat. Season 5 will be 20 episodes, and before it has even debuted, history has ordered a sixth season. New to the cast this year is Jonathan Rhys Davies as some sort of a holy warrior for England, and no doubt seeking revenge against the invading Vikings who have shed so much blood in his homeland. One of the great things about this show is the action, the battles are really elaborate. They have huge... Did I say Jonathan Reese Davies? It's Jonathan Reese Myers. Pardon me. Um, and uh, yeah, they've, they've just massive battles, lots of people involved, huge props and stuff. Really elaborate. It's just, it's impressive for a television production. Season five looks great. Can't wait. Ivar and Harold are coming. 
Lagatha's years are numbered as Queen of Kattegat. I will support you against Arthur, if you support me against King Harold. A civil war can only bring tragedy. I can never forgive Lagatha for murdering our mother. Of course I'm going to kill her! John Rhys Davies is Gimli, yeah. son of Gloin. Yeah. He's uh, Sala in the Indiana Jones films. And Sliders. He was on Sliders. That's right. So, sorry, mixed that. I thought, as I was reading it, I thought, I don't think that's right. <laughs> and I saw Jeff pick up his phone, and I thought, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff's I'm Googling. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Rhys Davies. <laughs> it's like, that's not who I think it is, is it? Hey, also coming up this upcoming week, Season 5 of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agent Coulson of S.H.I.E.L.D. has come to save us. Who are you? I'm one of the true believers. Believers in what? In you. What the hell's going on? We're in space. So one thing we haven't done yet. Any idea what that is? Have you ever seen an alien movie? That's right. Coulson and friends are in space. They don't know how they got there. Last season ended with them being taken, and then they just woke up in space. I really enjoyed season four. They moved it to a later time slot, which allowed for some darker and more mature material uh, for a show that's kind of struggled in its through its four seasons yeah. to pick a tone or pick a direction or whatever. Uh, this year, though, they've moved it to Fridays, which probably can't be... A good thing. Not unless you're Tom Selleck. I couldn't even bother to watch the other ABC Marvel show, uh, Marvel's Inhumans, which previously aired on Fridays. It was like a an eight-episode miniseries. Yeah, it's over. It's over, yeah. What's the other one that's starting, the X-Men one? Uh, the Gifted? Yeah. That's okay. on Fox. That one's not bad. And now there's also one that just debuted on Showcase this past week, Marvel's Runaways. Right. Oh, which, that's one I was thinking of. So, uh... I haven't read anything about that. I, I recorded it. I do intend to watch it, but it's hard well, to watch everything. Who's got 30 hours a week to watch superhero stuff? <laughs> I know. Plus well, there's a new movie every other week. And we don't have time to play the clip, but the Arrowverse, oh! Supergirl, Arrow, The Flash, and Legends of Tomorrow, they have their big crossover this week, Crisis on Earth X. Right it's on. a two-night event, Monday and Tuesday, so I think I might have to go back, Jeff. Chandler. I have to go back! It's <laughs> all the time we have. I'm Brady's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Download the podcast on Google Play and iTunes. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Yeah.